You ought to know, I'm Alan Clark. We hear a statistical analysis almost daily as various experts quote them to make their point about the rampant coronavirus and its effect on the population. The curve, the peak, the outliers are all a part of statistical analysis details perhaps unfamiliar to most people subjected to them. Even those who have probably never been exposed to statistical studies can now sprinkle their conversation with the right terminology to help them sound intelligent. This is especially true of network and cable news reports. Scientific studies and journal articles were never intended to be reported on by the daily news media. They are meant to initiate conversations and debate among qualified scientists or experts that work in that field not the general public. While I concede the media has the right to eavesdrop on those conversations and debates and report on them, it makes sense only if they are trained and knowledgeable in that particular field of science. For example, I can't explain to you the importance of confounding factors in conducting statistical analysis unless you have knowledge of statistical analysis to begin with. The general public should not trust today's news reporting on studies on the COVID-19 virus because most of those reporters simply don't have the skills and knowledge required to do so. If you combine that with the fact that the majority of them are biased by their particular political agenda, what the public may be receiving are reports which are the product of an untrained mind filtered by political bias and dominated by hype and hyperbole. Equating the COVID-19 pandemic to World War II or the flu is a prime example. The daily numbers being collected and reported by the CDC and the World Health Organization are readily available and present a body of statistics that can be analyzed with the right statistical tools. A good example was when the head of the National Institutes of Health tried to explain that testing negative for the coronavirus means only one thing that you did not have it on that particular day and time. It does not mean one is scot-free forever and should be able to return to work. It is just a snapshot of your health at one moment in time. Similarly, a positive test does not automatically mean imminent death. There are so many factors to take into consideration when looking at any one report. We call these variables. Some folks get upset when it was announced that the virus was taking a higher toll on minorities and wanted to blame a form of racism in testing and treatment of that statistical group. Other factors that make some groups more susceptible than others, like blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, etc., are far more likely to account for this trend than variations in the treatment. It takes time to gather enough statistics to make more accurate predictions, it's called progression toward the mean. The more data we have, the closer we are to an accurate average. That's what we do with supercomputers. Feed enough information into a program, and the result is a computer model based on that input. The weather people do this all the time. But how often is the weather forecast correct? There also has to be some level of objectivity in selecting the data to be analyzed. This is called science. You know the old saying about computer results, right? Garbage in, garbage out. The models are no more accurate than the accuracy of the input. Despite the sophistication of a supercomputer like Summit in Oak Ridge, the world's fastest, 
It only means you get to see your error messages a lot quicker unless the level of objectivity is high. The models were wrong in the 2016 election. They can be wrong every day in forecasting the weather. And they might be wrong in predicting coronavirus outcomes in either direction. Here's the point. The analysis is no better than the analyzer. So be careful to whom you listen and evaluate who is better to explain these numbers. The scientist or the TV anchor? <laughs>